Hey guys, you're listening to The Furrow, a podcast for Catholic men by Catholic men. On today's show, we take up part two in our three-part series on spiritual warfare. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Furrow. I'm your host again, Brandon Duncan, and I'm joined again by my wonderful co-hosts, Cameron Davis and Father Robert McTeague. Gentlemen, I am so pumped about kicking off part two in this series on spiritual warfare. Uh, But before we do, I just want to celebrate, and I know it's a small celebration at that, but that this is our 10th episode. (laughs) Um, What do you think about that, Cameron? It's kind of hard to believe that we're at 10 episodes already. It feels like it was just yesterday where we started recording and trying to figure out what it was we wanted to be when we grew up in this in this forum. And here we are <laughs> tackling some pretty heavy topics, which I think is, it's good. So I'm very happy and pleased and thankful to God for, for that we're here where we are with this. So. Well, if I, can, if I can quote the poet, uh, what a long, strange trip it's been. Uh, I mean, how exciting to, thanks be to God to, to be in double digits and, and thank you guys for, uh, for letting me, uh, piggyback on this, on this venture. I think the podcasts really are, uh, the, the wave of the future. It's a technology that, that's portable, that's, that's dependable, that you can return to. And I'm really committed to joining you guys and, and making comment, uh, making content that's worth multiple listens and, and doing it for, for the good of souls and the greater glory of God. Amen to that. And also, you know, we're also incredibly grateful to all of our listeners out there, both here in the U.S. And from what I've heard, we also have some listeners abroad. Um, thanks be to God. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so and th- those of you also who have written to us to express your appreciation for this ministry, uh, we really want to thank you as well so much for your support and really for believing in the mission of this apostolate. So uh, but to to really quickly recap um, what we're doing here, um, we're we're. For those of us who are those of you who are just tuning in now, um, and you may want to go back and listen to the last episode because what we're doing is we're breaking up these these three episodes these rather these three episodes into a three part series on spiritual warfare. And so, in the first uh, episode, uh, which would have been our ninth episode, uh, we discussed the first of three diabolical tactics that Satan uses to keep us distracted on our spiritual journey towards the Lord. Now, which we referred to. Uh, in episode nine as the Jezebel strategy. Now, in dissecting this strategy a bit deeper, uh, we discovered the false feminine character of Jezebel, who, like Satan, uses her powers of seduction and manipulation to exploit our fears, weaknesses, our lusts, our wounds, and even our lukewarmness by really enabling us to opt for the pleasures and the comforts of life rather than facing head-on the challenges and the responsibilities of daily life in a manner that we would consider um, as being the uh, being authentically masculine. And then what we did was we then looked at the, the other end of it, uh, at the divine remedy, what we considered the divine remedy to combat this tactic, which we identified was the gift of prophecy. Now, not, it's not something to be confused with a form of divination or fortune telling, but prophecy as the readiness to hear and act upon the word of God by giving ourselves completely to the will, the wisdom, and the goodness of our Heavenly Father. So, in other words, being a man of action, a man who is always vigilant and ready to do battle 
as opposed to the more subordinate, the effeminate man that we find in King Ahab, um, who was uh, the king of Israel at that time. And so speaking of King Ahab, the second tactic used by Satan to divert us from the right path, as you, Father, uh, have written about in your article, is what we refer to, of course, as appropriately, the Ahab tactic, which Satan uses to exploit our passivity, weakness, and our shame. Now, Father, could you kind of lead us into this reflection by explaining to us exactly um, how this strategy stacks up against the Jezebel strategy? What, what really distinguishes it from that? Well, I would say that the Jezebel strategy and the Ahab strategy are, are meant for each other. They're, they're diabolical soulmates, if you will. Uh, when you put uh, Jezebel, who is the, the false feminine, with Ahab, the inadequate man, together, then you've got the marriage made in hell. In the Jezebel strategy, Satan is playing uh, upon our, our wounds. Uh, it's, go, it's going after our, our weaknesses. Uh, in the Ahab strategy, Satan attacks men in, in this way. It's by uh, attacking the man where he's weak in his will, where he wants to avoid conflict above all. And Ahab becomes the enabler of Jezebel. Uh, Ahab doesn't man up. He doesn't exercise his proper authority. He doesn't answer to the call to duty. And he leaves a vacuum that the Jezebel, the false feminine, steps in. So wherever you see a Jezebel running amok, it's because a, a passive Ahab is letting her get away with murder. But let's remember, too, uh, Ahab isn't stupid and he's not completely listless. He's going to whine and complain and uh, extol his self-pity in a way that signals to Jezebel that someone has cleared room for her to, to go to work. So they're complementary in that uh, it's the false feminine and the inadequate man, and they're different insofar as the Jezebel strategy uh, tends to our wounds and the Ahab strategy appeals to our incompleteness. And I think it's important to draw a parallel between everything you said there, but also the language you used when we talked specifically about the Jezebel strategy. And that Jezebel says, let me take this for you. Let me right. take this wound or this pain or this emotion. Let me take this away from you. I can handle this for you. So then we're left with, well, I don't have to do anything anymore. And then so Ahab steps in and says, Kick back. You don't have to do anything. But then you're going to complain about it because you're not doing anything. Like your 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 comment about how they're complementary, you're you're absolutely right. And the fact that she wants to take it from us means that he can step in and say, "She took it. Let's find something else to complain about because she's going to take that away too." Right. Yeah. Right. It's it's this strategy is a, is an emasculating strategy. Uh, and the the remedy, I want to, you know, to at the risk of stealing the thunder of, of the latter part of the program, whereas the remedy for Jezebel was prophecy, the willingness to immerse oneself in the word of, of God and to act upon it, the uh, the role, the response to the to the Ahab strategy is is kingship, which is the exercise of authority with a spirit of duty. Uh, it's you know. The, the kingship is about answering the call, and that's deeply embedded in, in the human heart. And even if you read Plato's Republic, you know, the, the, those best suited to rule the guardians accepted the burden of leadership so that they would not be, be ruled or governed by, by lesser men. 
the anti-Ahab strategy, the real Christian kingship is to say, I follow Christ as my king, and I will not let anything lesser govern me. And in the imitation of Christ, I will man up, take up my cross, and confront Satan to protect those who are in my care. Mm. Wow. You know, and there's, and I want to draw our listeners particularly to a line uh, in in your article, Father, uh, that really generated a few thoughts as I as I reflected on it, and and it's where you say a true king is a wise warrior who offers his people protection and vision, and so this really t- takes me back to Proverbs twenty nine, you know, where it says, "Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he but he that keeps the law is happy." And so, you know, just as King Ahab succumbs to Jezebel's seduction and at the same time becomes her enabler, I think so also the man who allows himself to fall victim to the seductions of Satan, his own spiritual vision becomes cloudy and he loses ultimately the power and the will to lead and becomes ultimately derelict in his duties to to his faith, to his spouse, to his family, or even as a priest to his flock. And yes. in a way, it's it's as if we say to God, nothing you have to offer could possibly be worth my time or worth fighting for. Yes, that, that's exactly right. It, it is a kind of despair. Uh, mm. It's horrifying if we really think about it. Remember, the, the king is, is first of all, a, a warrior. King is, is depicted with his sword, but he's more than a, than a, a fighter. He's the sacrificial leader. Uh, remember, a king does two things. He he gives he gives uh, borders. He gives boundaries. He said, you know, here's mm. the line that may not be crossed. But then he also gives horizons. He goes he 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 has aspirations. He says to his people, this is where we need to go. This is who we need to become as a people. And that aspiration, that magnanimity, that greatness of soul inspires heroism, generosity. Uh, it demands sacrifice. It's a freedom rooted in, in duty. Uh, and it doesn't have uh, any room for, for vacillation. And it won't cooperate with seduction and it won't cooperate with excuses. And we can see uh, in a culture that now vilifies men, does not reward or praise or cultivate men for being truly strong, strong in the strength of the Lord, we can see that this um, that this satanic strategy, the Ahab strategy of the inadequate man uh, is all too common and ultimately all too deadly. Hmm. Well. You know, and I also, you know, I'm thinking about, uh, still thinking on this line uh, from your article, I, I think of, you know, obviously the, the hesitant, the passive, weak man, you know, the King Ahabs who are among us really is the man who is not the one, as it says in Psalm 144, whose hands have been trained for war. And, and unfortunately, those who have been entrusted to this man to protect and to lead, unfortunately, even those sadly pay the price for his misdeeds. Which I think really goes to show that no matter how much Satan convinces us of this, that there's no such thing as a private sin. Right. There, that, that's, that's exactly right. Every, uh, every falling short of our call to be conformed to Christ entails a terrible cost, not only to ourselves and to the kingdom of God, but also to the people entrusted to our care. I mean, you're, I mean, you're fathers, you have young kids, 
And you can be absolutely certain, brothers, that if you wimp out on your paternal duty, your kids are going to pay the cost. And you have to ask yourself, what kind of legacy do you want to leave to your children? Do you want to leave your children the, the legacy of boasting to your grandchildren about how great and strong dad was? Or do you want them to lament to their therapist what a wuss dad was? And you get to choose which kind of conversation uh, they're going to have. And ultimately, God is going to ask all of us, whether we're fathers in the natural order or fathers in the spiritual order, did you generate life? Did you protect life? Did you lead life? And we have the mandate of heaven to do that because we're called to imitate Christ the King as men. And that doesn't mean being bullies. It doesn't mean being arrogant. It means willing to take up one's sword and one's cross. And this is where we need the support of of each other as friends in the Lord, as brothers in Christ, because our young men are absolutely not being, not only are they not being taught how to do this, they're not being taught about this at all, and they're being raised in an environment where this would be considered toxic masculinity. And I think that's part of the struggle that we face as men in this world is that society says that this Ahab is the the ideal man. This is the way you want to conduct your life in everyday society. And I often go back to the a line from Dave Denuso. I heard him speak some time ago in Orlando, and the comment he made is that as men we need to live lives worth following. And he referenced mm, that in wow. regards to St. Joseph, right? That St. Joseph was you know, the husband of Mary. He was in charge of her in the sense of he had this kingly authority in the sense of protecting her, right? And then subsequently, he bore, they bore a son, Jesus, and he was in charge of rearing Jesus up until he began his public ministry. And I think if you put all of that into perspective, right, when we talk about the king and how the king is supposed to have the vision and be the warrior necessary to protect his family and those that are in his care, St. Joseph is the perfect example of that because right. he did it for Mary. He got Mary all the way from uh, all the way um, all the way to Bethlehem uh, because of the census. They found shelter, bore Jesus. Jesus grew to be an adult. Jesus said, it's time for me to start my public ministry. And then it, it just all flowed from that one act of kingship from Joseph. Right. I'm so glad that you mentioned St. Joseph because I think he so often gets short shrift. uh, That really pains me. Uh, But but think of it. St. Joseph did not have an identity crisis. He knew who he was. He knew whose he was. And he knew what what he was for. He knew what he was about. And because he had a sense of identity, because he had a sense of sonship, because he knew that he was a true son of God the Father. He knew that he shared in his father's mission. And that he had he, he had not only the mandate, but he was equipped by God to do what was right. Joseph knew that he was a trusted man. And that divine trust set him on fire and set him free. And I think the tragedy of, of manhood, at least in the first world, and certainly manhood as it's often lived in, the, in Christian circles in, in the first world, is we've got an identity crisis. We don't know 
that we are the true son of a heavenly father. We don't know that we're heirs to a kingdom. We don't know that we're meant to conform ourselves to Christ the king. Uh, we're, you know, we're always beaten about the head and shoulders with this nonsense about male privilege. Uh, I, I recommend, Brandon, that, that you put on the website some of the YouTube videos done by uh, Stefan Molnieu regarding the myth of, uh, of male privilege. You know, the vast majority of suicides and the vast majority of work-related deaths are from men. Not a lot mm. of privilege going on there. Right? Mm. So what Satan wants us to do is to forget our identity, wants us to forget that we're orphans, wants us to believe that we're orphans rather than sons and heirs. And so we're on our own and we can cut a deal with him because he's the only game in town. And what a monstrous lie that is. So if you have a young man who forgets who he is, he doesn't have confidence, he has no sense of being trusted precisely because he is a man on mission, uh, and then, of course, he's going to have no good reason to fight. And if he wants anything that he can't get on his own, here comes the seductive Jezebel spirit to play him. And when we see this played out time and time again, not only in our own spiritual struggles, the things we read in headlines, and uh, and certainly you know uh, among uh, our friends and acquaintances, so many sad stories uh, because uh, boys don't know about being sons, they don't know about being men, they don't know about being conformed to Christ the King. And I think one of the things we need to do to help re- renew the life of the Church in the United States and in the First World is to renew a devotion to Saint Joseph. I I agree. And I think kind of what you were talking about, I think a great example of this in society in terms of remembering who we are. And I have to give props to my wife, uh, Marley, who did a talk while we were in college on signs and sacraments, and she used the Lion King as the example. (laughs) And so not to get too much of the details, but you have Simba who is framed for his father's death. Um, runs away because he's afraid and his uncle, the Jezebel, kind of says, the only way you can deal with this is by running away from it. Get away. Get out of here. I'll take care of this for you, right? And so he runs away. He grows up with this kind of nonchalant mentality and then Rafiki shows up and says, you have forgotten who you are. And then he's got his dad in the cloud saying, Simba, remember who you are. You are my son. And I think so much, like if, if for all the men out there that have kids, go back and rewatch that movie with that thought in mind. And you will see how different, how Simba assumes his kingship because he remembers who he is and who he lives for and who he fights for. Hmm. You know, and Father, in, in, um, I know in your article, you, you quote from Matthew's gospel in chapter four, verses one through 11 with Jesus, you know, as he battles uh, Satan in the desert. And, um, you know, Satan is trying, obviously, to tempt him to surrender his God-given authority. But the beauty of, of this whole um, uh, interchange here between Jesus and Satan is that that Jesus reminds Satan who he is. <laughs> right. and, 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 and what, and ultimately what his, his destiny is as well. And I think too, and even I think St. Teresa of Avila, uh, says this, uh, in, in some of her works, she says, you know, when, when the devil tempts you and, and reminds you how evil and despicable you are, turn around and remind him of, of his eternal destiny. Right. And, um, right. 
and, and so I, I think you, you really draw a, a really great um, um, connection there um, with with really ultimately as in kind of a good segue into the the, the remedy. Which standing, you know, in contrast to the passive, the hesitant, weak man of Ahab, you know, we have Jehu, the the then now appointed king of Israel, who stands really as the model of a man as he ought to be, you know, by exercising his proper authority. And Father, you know, I would like to see if maybe you can help us reflect more on really what sets Jehu apart from from Ahab, uh, but what what ultimately is the remedy against the passivity of Ahab's tactic. Well, you know, Jehu is a very interesting character. We don't want to think of him as, uh, you know, somebody with, with a big J on his shirt, and he, he runs around ancient Israel with, with a cape. You know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, not as, he's not an Israeli superman. Uh, because when he, he's first anointed king, he doesn't own it. He's like, well, mm. yeah, those prophets, they anointed me and stuff. And, well, That's you know right. how they get. And then if I said, no, I, I, I have to man up. You know, it's my responsibility. I'm the man uh, on mission. And when he goes to confront Jezebel, when she hears Jehu is coming for her, uh, you know, she, she doesn't reach for a baseball bat. She puts on her makeup and tarts herself up. She's ready to play the seducer. <laughs> mm. And Jehu has the humility, the self-knowledge, to know that he cannot rely on his own strength. So he calls on others to help throw down uh, Jezebel. So uh, uh, Jehu is a leader who sees what needs to be done and steps forward to do it, but also brings other people with him. Uh, you know, there's a, an old joke. They said, you know, if, if you're going to a gunfight, don't go. But if you do have to go to a gunfight, bring all your guns and bring all your friends with all their guns. <laughs> and we have to do that in, in the spiritual realm uh, as well. You know, mm. we'd really rather not f- fight evil, but we have to. But we, and then we dare not fight it alone. We have to rely not on our own strength, but on the strength of the Lord. We have to offer, you know, we always say grace builds on nature. Well, grace can only build on the nature that we make available to God. And so all of who we are has to be offered to God. And then we really do need to to be with one another as as brothers, as friends of the Lord, and say, hey, you know, I've got a battle to fight in my home. Uh, I need your help. I, you know, I I have uh, a personal sin that I'm struggling with. Uh, I I need your help. Or hey, you know, our our parish is going over the cliff. We need to do something. Let's work together. On and on it goes. Uh, we we need to uh, be ready not only to accept our identity as sons and as heirs of a great king. We also have to accept our identity as brothers. That doesn't mean we always have to like each other. It doesn't mean that we always have to get along with each other. It does mean that we have to work together to get the job done, to put aside our differences so that we can get the job done. And if we don't exercise that authority, that humility, that vulnerability, the people in our care are going to pay a terrible price. You know, when when we go back to that story, um, of how Jehu defeated Jezebel, you know. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think uh, it says that Jehu, when he entered the city, he entered the city almost without resistance. Mm-hmm. And uh, and as you said, you know, he saw Jezebel 
looking looking down at him with contempt from her window. You know, and at that moment, I think it was Jehu he commanded of all people, the palace eunuchs, <laughs> mm-hmm. to throw her from her window, <laughs> which right. which they did, and then he ultimately he ran over her with his chariot. And I know I know this sounds a bit anticlimactic here as far as a, an ending goes, mm-hmm. uh, since it obviously obviously doesn't take much for Jehu to bring an end to Jezebel's reign. But what I think we can glean from this is that when we have, as you say, Father, when we have a firm grasp of our identity as sons of a loving and merciful father, there's great power in that. Yes. You know, there is a confidence and a strength that not even Satan can resist. That, that, and, that's exactly right. Yes. Yeah. And, and really all we have to do is, is give the Lord permission to make the right, to make right all the wrongs that we've committed through our sin. You know, the, the Lord's not going to ever force himself upon us. Right. That's not it at all. Right. Um, we have to give him permission to do it. And more than that, because, you know, it's not a simple act of the will. Uh, we also have to give him time. Mm. We're more A son is more likely to know that he's a real son. He's more likely to know the heart of his father if he could watch what his father does. My, my uncle Willie, uh, my mother's brother, who's the, the great patriarch of, of the family, I mean, a true pater familias, you know, who you know, makes wine with his grandchildren. And you always know there's going to be a ton of food and, and a lot of good wine and everything's going to be okay because Uncle Willie's there and Uncle Willie always <laughs> makes it happen. But when he was growing up, you know what his nickname was? Papa's Tail. Because huh. he was always following his father around. Hmm. And learned how to cook, learned how to make the wine, learned how to be a father. If we're not spending true time in the presence of our king, if we're not spending time in the presence of our father, how can we ever be confident in our identity? How will we know how to wage war against sin and evil if we have no idea that we've been contested for and won at a terrible price. Uh, you know, all the exhortations to man up, et cetera, et cetera, do the right thing, that starts with grabbing our rosary beads and getting down on our knees. Uh, it starts by going before the blessed sacrament. Uh, it starts by beholding the great saints and martyrs and icons. So if we want to be really practical and specific, we have to say, guys, we have to be men of prayer or we're going to get amnesia. Once we get amnesia, there's no reason to fight. The Ahab spirit takes over, and then the Jezebel spirit moves in. Mm. It goes back to that intellectual effeminacy, that intellectual atrophy that's going to occur when we stop sharpening our tools and the swords we have given to us by God to fight this fight. Right. right. God not only sends us on mission, he equips us. But we, we have to hear the call of the mission, and then we have to acknowledge that we have been equipped, and then we, we have been sent. And we need our, our brothers in Christ, our friends in the Lord, to train us to fight as an army. Uh, not just our individual battles, but as, as uh, that, that true band of brothers, uh, that, that true company of, of heroes and, and saints. So we need each other. And that's why I think podcasts like this are, are so important to remind Christian men throughout the world that there are honest men of God seeking holiness, seeking to follow in the footsteps uh, of Christ 
who is our crucified and risen Lord, is even now our reigning king and certainly our returning king. Uh, And we have a good reason to live and a good reason to die, a great reason to get out of bed every day. And most of the males in this world, as a Jesuit friend of mine says, are simply boys who shave, who have no (laughs) sense of their true masculine charism. And so they can't bring that to prayer so that God can bless it and elevate it. Hmm. Taking stock in where you are spiritually is going to be a very hard thing to do, but it's required to root out Jezebel and to assume the kingship of Jehu to root out Ahab. Like it's, it's an absolute requirement and men, it's not going to be easy. And I'm not saying I'm not professing that I'm perfect at it, but it's, it's a requirement for us to continue on this path of being the fathers that our children need and being the husbands that our wives need and being the men that society needs in this world. So much, so much of the ills of society today would be solved if men assumed their kingship and were the men we were called to be at the very beginning. And because we live in a fallen world uh, where we have to struggle for our identity as as sons and heirs. This is why uh, the sacrament of confession is so important, so important. We're just not going to make progress in our battles if we don't attend to our, our, our wounds and, and faults and weaknesses through the sacrament of confession. And this is where I also urge you to, uh, you know, I, I, I want to urge the, the men who hear us, you need spiritual fathers, you need spiritual mentors. And this is where I think you can do a great service to my brother priest and say, hey, you know what, Father? I don't think of you as just the sacramental 7-Eleven that I, I, just, I go through the drive through lane on Sundays. Mm. You know, you're, you're a human being, you're a man, and you have a call to be a spiritual father. And we ask that of you. We, we summon that forth from you. Be the father we need. Be the father we need. And I think that will cause a, a great flourishing and priestly life. And I, I think it will, it will cause a, an outpouring of vocations. If we see uh, the sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father asking their priests to be the fathers they were ordained to be. Mm. Amen. Wow. So I think really ultimately the, the perfect summary really of, of our of our this discussion and, and the last one is really to, to kind of to, to say that you know, in the first instance, meaning when we discuss the Jezebel strategy, Satan makes us, as you said, Father, makes us forget who we are. And in this this second instance, the Ahab tactic, he tries to make us forget whose we are. Right. Um, and so I think really we need to, as Father said and Cameron um, really um, uh, hit, hit it home, hit the nail on the head there, is that we, ha- we need to be men of prayer. We need to sharpen our our, our, our arsenal. Um, we need to be men of intention, uh, men uh, uh, of intentionality. We need to be more intentional in our prayer life, more intentional um, as fathers, as husbands, and uh, and to go out there and as and literally as as the moniker for Nike says, just do it, <laughs> do Amen. it. Right. I mean, there's there's talking about it, and then there, and then there's doing it. You know, Saint Ignatius Loyola said that. Um, love is shown more in deeds than mm. in words. 
and there are time to, to speak words, and we're involved in the ministry of the word, and that's a fine thing. But there's no substitute for showing up, giving your best, and, and getting the job done. So, so far, we, we've talked about you know the remedy for the Jezebel spirit, the false feminine, is is the work of, of prophecy. And then in the, the second instance, the Ahab strategy, the satanic strategy of the inadequate man, the next remedy is is kingship, authority lived as duty. I invite our listeners to think, what's the third part going to be about? If we've looked at priest and prophet, what's the third part to be about? I think some people might be surprised, and, and kudos to those who anticipate where we're going next. Hmm. Indeed. And thank you so much, Father and Cameron. Um, this is what a wonderful discussion. So much for us to uh, really mull over uh, and, you know, as, as we uh, prepare for our, our next and final episode on this. And, um, uh, you know, spiritual warfare is, is something that we should not be taking lightly. Um, I know there's it, it and, and the, the subject itself is, is so vast. I mean, what we're what we're touching upon right now is really just the, the surface. But, uh, you know, if, if you guys have any questions at all, especially any questions for Father, Please don't hesitate to uh, send us an email at the podcast at gmail.com uh, or even try and connect with us uh, through our Twitter or even on Facebook. Um, so, Father, uh, with this uh, and especially with it being spiritual warfare, would you mind closing us in prayer? I'd be very happy to do so and uh, say thanks to, to both you, Brandon, and, and you, Cameron. Uh, we're, we're all in this together. We all have something to give, and we can't succeed if we don't do it together. Through the intercession of St. Ignatius Loyola, may God's peace reign in your heart, and may you be protected from all harm and every evil until you reach the happiness of heaven. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, go in peace, and please pray for me. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Cameron. And God bless you, our listeners. And we will see you next time.